in part three of our series, I want to say yes, but. Week number, week number one, we saw that often sometimes we say, I want to say yes to making a difference with my life, but I just don't have the time or the money. So we broke that down and talked a little bit more about this. And then last week we looked at the idea, I want to say yes, but I really don't know what to do. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those sermons and you'll, you'll figure out that. And there's the lesson guide, there's some links to go to. We'll refer to those in a few moments. And so this morning we're going to say, I want to say yes, but I'm focused on what my life needs. And that's a nice way of saying I'm just focused about me. I mean, how do you say that, you know? And, you know, if we're really honest with ourselves, there are times where we really are just focused on ourselves. And so it's about my life. It's about the things I want to do. It's about my agenda. So I really do want to say yes, but I'm focused on what I think my life needs and what I need to do. Uh, there's an infamous story that's gone around a lot of times and is told a few different ways. But a guy in his early 40s was recognizing that something was wrong in his body. So he went to the doctor, and they referred to him the specialist. You know all of that. And they ran all sorts of tests after running all the sorts of tests. And they came back with a diagnosis, and it was very serious. So they actually asked uh, the wife to talk with the wife first. So the lead doctor said to the guy's spouse, we're very, very sad to tell you that your husband has a very rare disease. And if left untreated, he's not going to make it. He's going to die, and he'll die very quickly. The doctor said, the good news is there's a very powerful new treatment that's available with limited negative side effects. And, uh, you know, over 12 to 18 months, things should turn around. But the challenge is going to be for you. You're going to have to keep him on a very strict diet, and that means you are going to have to cook for him every single meal. Three meals a day for the next 18 months. Very special meals. And he's also got to have an environment that's clean, that's free from dust and those kinds of things. And uh, that will have to be going on, and you'll need to be available to him nonstop. So she started to digest all of that and what that would really mean. And uh, she goes out of the meeting with the lead doctor and... Uh, the husband's out there obviously looking very worried, very concerned, and, and she leans over him very compassionately, gives him a big hug, and, and says, honey, I've got bad news for you. You're not going to make it. Because <laughs> she didn't want to do any of those things. For 18 months, that is. You know, we struggle at times with serving other people. Even to those of us who say we try to follow Christ, we struggle with serving other people. But as we've seen over the last couple of weeks here in Bits and Pieces, is service really ought to be a part of the Christ follower. That's why when we celebrate communion, we don't only look within, look back, look to the future, but we look around. Uh, we're supposed to have a faith that loves on other people and serves other people and is sacrificial there was a very famous uh, college professor at Columbia. It's a picture of him, and uh, he was in his uh, late 50s, early 60s, and his wife came down with Alzheimer's. And uh, the temptation was there because he had the resources to 
have somebody else come in and take care of her. And this isn't true for every couple, so when I say these things, be aware of that. But uh, in his case, he said, you know, my wife has always been there. She facilitated me being able to be at this point. She invested in our kids. I did too, but she was primarily the one at home doing all those things. I'm going to resign my position and serve my wife. And he did it. And everyone said, no, you're, what a waste. You still have some more books to read. You still, right, you still have some more this and more that. But no, in his case, that's what he decided to do. And he gave it his all. He served his wife without grumbling, even in the most worst difficult time. He counted it a privilege to serve his wife. And we all go, wow, that, that seems unusual. But it's weird that for Christ followers, we say, well, that's unusual. That actually should be the way it is. Now, sometimes there is time for a nursing home and those kinds of things. So don't think I'm not say, saying that. But the idea that he would just naturally want to serve his wife and give up his quote-unquote wonderful career and his place in the limelight. Because as, as Christians, often uh, we are happy to have our relationship with God. We're happy to have a promise of eternity with God in heaven, not separated from Jesus, not in hell, and all that goes along with that. But uh, we're not really into the serving part. Sometimes I see this even in churches, and not, of course, not this church, but almost uh, that there's this idea of uh, this. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys, right? Yeah. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a whack? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. lot of churches there are a lot of us that sometimes think that way it's about me church it's about for me but there really needs to be that transformation of maturity where it's not about me it's about others church exists to show the love of christ christ came to serve not be served and so we as believers that should be the heartbeat of our own lives so it's not about what we receive on a Sunday morning. And obviously, as a pastor and obviously those involved in worship arts, we want to offer something that touches your lives. But there needs to be this transition where it's not you just coming for a good spiritual meal and that's it. It's got to be more. There's got to be that, that change. Like Christ changing your heart, changing your life, 
inside out so you can be involved and have a part in helping others see Christ. So that idea of me church isn't so far from the truth at times. You know, I come and it's, uh, you know, what do I get out of it? Or that was a song that really, I, I love that song. I didn't like that song. And, and, you know, if you really looked at the words of both songs, the, the messages are powerful in both styles. I like that style, this style. It, you know, we get all wrapped up with that. And uh, sometimes I joke, and I'm, I'm not joking totally, but, uh, you know, if somebody said, uh, and this, if you're into Gregorian chants, that's great. But Gregorian chants, if, if that would fill this place, then, I, then that's the kind of music I'd want because that, that's more important to me most of the time. <laughs> so, you know, this idea of servanthood. And uh, Jesus demonstrates this. The night he was betrayed, before communion, before he initiates this, uh, we read in John uh, chapter 13, we read this. Jesus knew the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. He knows all of what's going to happen. He knows what he's going to go through. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And how he longed to show them the full measure of his love. How much they really meant to him. Before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already planted the trail in the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simeon. You know, all that's going on. Judas is going to betray Jesus he has. And so the meal is in motion. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured out the water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Some of us are aware of this, but this was an unbelievable moment. It was a custom that when you went to someone's house because of wearing sandals, the roads were messy with horse stuff, other stuff, just yucky, yucky, yucky stuff. Your feet were walking in that all the time that when you got to a house for a meal, it was, the, it, was the, it was the custom that someone would wash and clean up your feet. And the custom, not normally, always, it was usually the least person in that household would do that. So it would be a servant, the lowliest servant, the newest servant, or it would be a slave. And that person would be assigned to wash the people's feet. It was just the custom of the way it was. It's like when you go over to someone's house and you're wearing a jacket, they say, hey, can I take that jacket for you? And they, you know, hang it or put it someplace and, you know, kind of make you uh, feel comfortable. This was just a part of the process. And uh, so Jesus is watching what's going on. And obviously no one had volunteered to do this. So everyone's feet needed to be washed. And Jesus didn't assign it to anybody. He was just watching to see what's going on. And... Uh, What's interesting is then, you know, he, he does this, and this is what he says. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And remember, they would lay down a table, you know, kind of be laying down, sprawling. So, I mean, your feet were like right there. It wasn't like sitting in a regular chair kind of thing. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Basically, he's saying, I want you to be a servant. 
because I am serving you. So if you're a Christ follower, we are to serve one another. We are to serve our community. If you're not a Christ follower, you can elbow the person sitting next to you and say, hey, you need to serve me after this uh, you know, event. You know, they've got to do this. This is what they're supposed to do. Remember, Christ, Christian, little Christ. We are to demonstrate that. And what also is interesting going on in the background, if you look at a harmony of the Gospels, which takes all the stories and tries to put them together, where they happen, because each writer highlights different things that are important to him. God inspired uh, them to do that. But you also realize that there also been some bickering of who is the best, who is the greatest, who is the most important. And you can just imagine what went on with that. You know, John, the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, I'm the disciple Jesus loved. You know, Peter, I walked on water, you know. And someone says, well, you actually sunk on the water, but at least I got out of the boat. You know, all this kind of thing going on. And uh, back in Matthew, we read it this way. Do you want to stand out? This is after they've talked about us. Then step down, be a servant from the heart. If you put yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. And as a Christian, you and I are to be servants. We're actually to look for ways to serve others. Instead of waiting for someone to ask you, you jump in and you, you start doing things. For some of us, that, that's hard for us to do. We really have to pay attention with our eyes. We, we miss those moments. For some of us, that's our gifted. But as Christians, we're all to be serving others, not focused on my life this is one of those buts that uh, gets in the way. And, you know, even as a pastor, I, it, can, it can be hard to, to think that through. Uh, recently, one of my daughters, who one of the nurses, um, decided she wanted to change her job up a little bit. And she's been, this has been on her heart for a few years, where she's wanted to basically work for a nonprofit. And uh, this sounds terrible as a pastor. I'm like, they don't pay much. I do the nonprofit thing. You don't want to do the nonprofit thing. And she kept coming back to it, kept coming back to it, kept coming back to it. And so finally she found this uh, nonprofit, and it was a 30% pay cut for her on her hourly wage and all of those kinds of things. And, and I kind of wasn't giving my blessing totally. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, I, I should be celebrating she wants to do this. And so I sent her this text. I said, by the way, I'm proud of you for changing your work to align more with your purpose and to change your rhythm of life. You're leaving, uh, you are leaving your, you're leaving your shape to make a difference. A dad couldn't ask for anything more. Love you. But, you know, you, know, you go, well, oh, that's nice and everything. But, but I, I, that, that was a little bit of a struggle for me to write that. So I want, I want her to take care of herself in a sense and, uh, you know, we're, we're not, even when we say we're bent towards people serving each other, uh, she wanted to change that up. She wanted to work only three or four days a week so she could do more things at church. And, uh, you know, and I'm just like, that, that's, 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 that's great. And I go, oh, man, I can learn from you, my 26-year-old daughter. And this idea, again, of having this heartbeat to serve. Because often we think, you know, that's for somebody else. We're not all that. We're, we're something else. We're, 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 you know, that's 
not who we are. We need to, this season of life, I need to, you know, earn a lot of this, or I need to do a lot of that, or I don't have time for this. And those seasons just keep coming. They just keep coming, and all of a sudden you find you're older, and those seasons are gone. Uh, so this idea of serving others and not being captivated or caught up with ourselves. Um, this may, uh, you know, political things, but uh, one of the things I really appreciate about Jimmy Carter, not maybe his presidency, but I appreciate that he has a heart for other people. And uh, my parents, I think this is actually the church here, my parents uh, went down to Georgia and went to the same church that he went one Sunday, and a small little country church, and uh, uh, she, she, my mom especially was like, um, she's reading the bulletin, and she saw that Rosalind Carter was on for cleaning the bathrooms this week. I went into the bathroom where, where the president's wife cleaned the bathrooms. I, you know, and then Jimmy Carter was on for mowing the lawn. And, you know, here are some people that you'd say, ah, they don't need to do that. But they're serving. They weren't all caught up with who they are. And, and President Carter would teach a Bible, would teach the Sunday school class uh, in, that, in that church. And uh, just, just amazing, not caught up with who he is, who they are, but serving. And some of their work with ha Habitat for Humanity, even now, you know, I, I don't know how recent, but I know I've, I've got a picture here when he's 95 and he, uh, he fell and got hurt. But he is still working. This, this is just amazing. There he is out there, uh, bruised, 95 years old, three years ago. So he must be 98 now. And just uh, beyond uh, unbelievable that he is share serving, not being served. And uh, we can learn a lot from that kind of example. So don't cherish the exaggerated ideas of yourself or your importance but try to have a sane estimate of your capacities or capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given to you all. In other words, you and I are here to serve. If Jesus came to serve us and we are his followers, we ought to serve. We can't have that, but can't be so caught up with what's going on in our life that there aren't avenues where we're giving our life um, away. We also have to realize that we are not on our own, that as we serve, and we've talked about this a little bit last week, we're part of this local body of Christ, and you ought to find a local body of Christ. If you are comfortable here, I, I am encouraging, this may sound a little weird, you need to find one that you're comfortable at, and then stick with it. Stick with them. Don't be jumping from place to place. Find a place that you're comfortable, and then Give yourself to that place um, long term. And I've said this often, if, if you can never find a church, if there's not one church in the Finger Lakes area within driving distance, and especially now it's more expensive to drive everywhere, driving distance, there's just not one good church, you ought to at least ask the question, maybe it's not all about the churches, maybe it's about me. Hmm, did I say it? Yes, I did. And maybe it's about you. Maybe what's going on in your life, in your heart. There ought to be a church. There's no perfect churches. There ought to be a place where you can plug in and be in love with that church. Not that it's perfect, but giving yourself through that church in one area or another. So in Christ, we though have many, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. So we belong to each other. Following Christ isn't to be a solo sport event. You're supposed to plug in. 
when you're not plugged in, there's a missing piece at that church. I, I really believe that. That's not to get you to do something. It's, it's there's something missing. There's somebody missing. There's a role. There's a position. There's an emptiness because we belong to each other. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. And it's a great feature in the United States that we're independent, take charge people. Sometimes we don't value the idea of community, but community is important. We, we get each, our meaning together as we do more together, as we serve more together. Um, uh, you've seen this as our church family. There are things that we do. Uh, when VBS comes up, uh, one person could not pull off VBS. A group of people serving together, belonging to each other, can have an event that connects with kids in the community. can't do that by yourself. So those kinds of events, those kinds of things you do as a church, the Difference Maker partners we support around the world couldn't do that as one person. We do that together. I'll give you lots of examples of that. And so we're not shaped to be spectators. We're not shaped to be spectators. We talked about shape last week, so you can go back there and take a look at that. But, but that, we're, not, we're not designed to be spectators. When you and I just are spectators, it does something in our soul and something in our heart. We're not, we're not functioning right. We're a little off. There's a tension. There's, there's an irritation. So we have to understand that we weren't designed to be spectators. God, your hands shaped me and made me, made us to do something, made us to give our lives away. And so if you're being just a spectator, that's, that's not cool. I, I mean, and I'm not trying to pick on you. You're, you're missing out. Uh, you're, 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 it's just, it's, just a, it's sad because you have something to offer. You've been made to offer yourselves. And just being a spectator, uh, you know, you're just not going to be happy. It, it just, it just uh, takes the joy out of life. Not a, when you're just a spectator. Um, last week, I talked about your spiritual gifts. And again, you can, pick, you can find this online. Uh, that little uh, um, QR code will give you, bring you to a test provided by another church. Also, this emigrant, uh, how do you say it? Thank you, uh, type assessment. Um, that, you know, again, I might have undersold that last week. So please take advantage of that. Um, you know, it's just a great way to kind of figure out how you're wired. And then it helps you move forward. So just this idea of um, your shape and, and who you are. So uh, don't be a spectator. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to, again, not picking on you. I'd love to say, so last week when we talked about all this, has any of this even entered into your thinking seven days later? Or is it just kind of out there and three months later it's still kind of out there? Uh, where, where is that? How is that working it into your life? So as a Christ follower, we ought to own our servanthood. We ought to own it. It ought to be a part of who we are. Uh, we can't be careless about it. Uh, you know, it just can't be that way. We, we need to be engaged. We need to show up. Uh, you know, God shows up in our life. We need to show up in his work. He wants us to be a part of it. Uh, he doesn't want us to be sitting on the sidelines. And, uh, you know, w with all of that, we need to put on glasses that help us to see the world around us. And uh, God has positioned things. I, I love Ephesians 2.10. God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us new people. So we would spend our lives 
doing the good things he's already planned for us to do in advance to do. He's planned those things out. They're just waiting for us to intersect our life and to respond to those. We need to, in a sense, put glasses on and see those things that are happening around us. And again, that's not just to get you to do something. You're going to find a fullness in life when you're expressing who God has made you to be. I pulled this uh, little clip out that kind of demonstrates this from a few years back, but you'll get the idea. Kid, every time I'm pulling out, he's right there. Man, this is what I need to talk to a parent if they're ever at home. What is up with the traffic today? It's, it's always, every day, this intersection is always crowded. I hate pulling out of here. Let me see what these dumb roads. Oh, there's. <laughs> okay, so I'm not even here. Right. Great lady. Princess of parking. Sure. Take this spot. Way to be considerate. Oh, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Oh. Thank you, man. Oh, about time. Uh, let's see, what do I want? Uh, yeah, can I add a cookie to that order? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, no problem, only guy in the world. I'm sure you need your cookie. The world, your oyster, and he's serving your cookie. Thank you so much. Uh huh. Something here for you. Uh, yeah, I'll call Decaf Macchiato. Yeah, sure, no problem. Three eighty-five. And uh, it What am I supposed to do? How can I how can I do anything about that? Can I even help with that? I don't is this coffee, sir? I, I can't I can't take this anymore. I, I gotta get out of here. Hey, what?
Hey, buddy, come here. Jesus came to serve us. And for following him, he's made us to serve others. Not living our best life, our fullest life, unless we're serving others. I'm going to move right down to the bottom line. Um, I will say this. uh, It was amazing uh, at uh, Adam and Maya's wedding. uh, They demonstrated this. Only the first time I've ever had that at a wedding where they washed each other's feet. And their desire was to say that they're going to be committed to serving each other, lifting each other up. And uh, I love that. Oh, there they are right over there. I thought that was very cool and very awesome. So as a Christ follower, what are we supposed to do? You know, this is it. Being a servant isn't what you do. It's who you are. And uh, you all look pretty intelligent out there, so I don't have to give you step by step. But you need to put those glasses on and see who you can serve inside the church and outside the church. And as you serve, as that becomes a part of who you are, not what you do. You'll touch lives, and God will use those touched lives and make them into changers. Would you please pray with me? Grace Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this morning. We're thankful that we could start off by singing and just celebrating who you are. Uh, We're thankful that uh, we were able to uh, remember what your son did for us through communion. And Father, we ask that that just, again, wouldn't be just a religious event thing we did today. But it would actually have some impact in our hearts and would actually show up on the outside, the way we live, the way we behave. Uh, Father, I ask that we really would put on those kinds of glasses, that those would be like what we were all the time. It's not on, off, on, off. It's who we are. Help us to grow in the place of being a servant, not doing a servant life. And Father, I thank you that when we figure that out and we move in that direction, travel down that road, it actually does something within our hearts. It brings us satisfaction. It brings us completeness because we're being who you made each one of us to be. So, Father, as we think about wanting to say yes, but it's all about me right now, I ask that you would help that to break through wherever we're at in that place. Uh, Thank you for these folks being here this morning. And again, thank you for your love for us. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.